is by technical hitches and um, just delighted to be with you. So we're going to think about this amazing lady called Lydia. And there's not much spoken about her in the Bible, but underneath I think there's all sorts of fascinating things going on. And I wish somebody would write, somebody like Francine Rivers would write a story about her because I start getting thinking about, well, you know, this seller of purple, what was that? Was it sort of like Prada handbag? She was obviously <laughs> deeply girly, you know? She, she was a high fashion um, uh, trades lady. That's not the right word, is it? It's businesswoman. And uh, there she was, um, obviously living quite an opulent lifestyle and uh, travelling around. She, she was the head of her own household. Nobody mentions a husband, so maybe she was single. More likely, she was widowed. And uh, she was obviously um, in charge of this household because later on in the story, um, she gets, makes them all get baptised and um, makes sure that they all begin to believe in Jesus. So she was obviously quite a forceful, very competent lady. And uh, she was a very spiritual woman. The Bible says that she was a worshipper of God. And what I love about this part of the story was she, she had that sense of God being such a wonderful creator. As we saw, that lovely, lovely group of, of slides. And when we do look at the world that God has made and look at the stars and look at the wonderful, beautiful flowers. I was feeling a little bit depressed yesterday and I came out of the tube station uh, where I live in West London and there's a beautiful flower stall. And the guy that runs the flower stall had arranged these flowers, which are particularly beautiful at this time of year, and the colours. And I thought, Lord, there has to be hope in a world where there are such beautiful flowers, such amazing colours. And it just cheered me up, which was a lovely uh, experience for me. But she was a worshipper of God. And uh, she was almost certainly a converted Jew, but she wouldn't have come from a Jewish family, probably, because Thyatira... Um, Shelley, you had to read so many dreadful names. I'm so sorry. Um, I thought you did wonderfully. <laughs> uh, but it, it, she probably wasn't born into a Jewish family, but probably the, what they say in the commentaries anyway, I don't know, um, was that she was a converted Jew. And in this place, there weren't enough Jewish people for them to actually start a synagogue. There had to be 10 men or something before they could do it. So these ladies went down to the river to pray. And, uh, and she was the person who was leading that prayer. And I think one of the most extraordinary things about Lydia was that she was the very first person in the whole continent of Europe to come to know Jesus as her saviour. How amazing. And when uh, after that, the church in Philippi met in her house. And she showed Paul and other people who were, were preaching the word and traveling and um, winning people, making them disciples. She was incredibly generous and hospitable. So that's kind of all we know about her. But before we um, look at her a, a bit more, and what a ca quite a character 
isn't she? Uh, with amazing qualities, one way and another. As we look, as I say, if we read between the lines and thought about the sort of person she probably was. But do you know what? She wasn't much different from any of us. She had been born into a certain situation. She had wealth. She'd been given that. She, she had a, a spiritual aspect to her life. But basically, she was a woman, just like us, who God chose to work through. And uh, I think of all the things about her, the most significant thing about Lydia was the fact that she prayed in fact, you know what? She prayed, she's so famous for praying, that they named an entire intercessory um, movement after her. Has anybody heard of the Lydia movement? I'm sure. Lydia groups are meeting all over the world and particularly interceding for needs in the nations where they live. Um, there are lots of Lydia groups in this country, lots of them particularly praying for Parliament and for national issues, and I get to meet with quite, them quite a lot in the process of my work, but I'll come back to that in a minute. When I am asked to come and speak, which I love doing, it's such a privilege, um, I love most of all to talk about prayer. I think that prayer is the most incredible gift that God has given us. But I frequently find that people feel a little bit too, too sided about it. Sometimes people, people say, yes, I love prayer and, and I love to sing and to praise. But a lot of people say, yeah, but I feel guilty because I'm not very good at it. Or um, I don't know that God really wants to hear from me. Or I think he gets a bit cross when I don't have my quiet time. Things like that. And I hear that all the time mainly for myself, I have to say. And, uh, you know, you kind of think, well, God's far too busy with all this important stuff. You know, you've got Libya, we've got Syria, Tunisia, protecting the Queen in Dublin, for goodness sake. You know, God is so busy, um, he's really not going to um, take kindly to me asking him to help me when I've got to go shopping for an outfit I've got to get today because I'm so busy, but I've gone to go to the wedding next Saturday and I'm not going to, and I, Lord, I really need that outfit. But do you know what? I've certainly prayed along those lines, and I'm sure many of you have, and he cares just as much about the little things. I mean, I'm not talking about, oh, God, get me a parking space, unless it's very, very important. I'm not talking about that so much, but the things that concern us concern him. And um, I think so often we can be filled with doubts about prayer, doubts about God and doubts about ourselves. And I want, if, if, if we achieve one thing this evening, it would be lovely if we all went away from here thinking prayer is the most wonderful gift. It doesn't have any ifs and buts about it. He is our heavenly father, God, and he just like, just as an earthly father loves for his children to come and run to him and climb up and, and be embraced by him. That's the kind of relationship we're talking about. Not a cross God who's saying, oh, hello, haven't seen you for a few days. <laughs> Not someone saying, oh, for goodness sake, I can't be doing with um, fashion problems. I'm too busy um, over here. Not someone who's saying, well, actually, 
you have got a nerve to ask me anything because you are such a bad person. None of that. That is not true. The truth is that he is our Heavenly Father. Um, I have a lovely friend called Davina Irwin-Clark, and I recommend you get her to speak one of these days, Sarah. She's, she's wonderful. She's a vicar's wife, and um, she, um, she wrote this for me. This is a book I put together for women who are married to Christian leaders uh, because I organized something um, for quite a few years because if you're the minister's wife, I don't know if we have any minister's wives or vicar's wives in the house this evening. Yes, wonderful unsung heroines Uh, it is not always the easiest of roles and uh, I I have met so many amazing women and uh, it came to an end came to a time when when it it was ready to close close the thing down so I put it in a book and I went around all the women I had um, spoken to over the years and got them to give me their thoughts so all I had to do was put it together and one of them was Davina And she wrote this lovely thing about prayer. Two different godly women made an impact on me in my early years as a mother and clergy wife. The first, a clergy widow, wrote me a note containing verses about his leading gently those who are with young and went on brimming over about God's delight in me as his child, his support of me in my struggles to be the best mother ever exclamation mark, and his understanding of why I seldom managed a classic quiet time. And that shepherd concept was so comforting, as I often felt I didn't make much sense or pray properly, but just curled up in his arms and as often as not fell straight asleep instead of concentrating. There was no condemnation, and somehow I knew he would hold my hand, even when the grip the other way around wasn't all that tight. Then I went on a clergy retreat. The speaker, a lovely woman, described how every morning she would go to a special room set set aside in the house for her times with God and there she would lie on the floor and simply soak in his presence and thus was provided with the strength and direction for the day. It was intended as encouragement and there was no question of the lovely effect of the Spirit's work in her. She shone as if the transfiguration happened every morning in her eerie. But comparing this with my own pleary starts to the day, I felt condemned. The only times I lay on the floor was to look for Lego under the sofa. (laughs) And the thought of getting up even 10 minutes earlier at that stage was agony. Anyway, just how early would that be to be ahead of a startlingly active three-year-old? Sadly, that cloud of self-reproach lasted quite a while. In fact, I got quite stuck in a cycle of not praying for too long and then feeling I simply couldn't pray in the 10 minutes available because there wouldn't be time to repent of all my laziness, (laughs) ill-discipline, etc., Guilt isn't a good motivator, and it felt as if I spent weeks trailing off into the desert, and I felt 
it would take the same amount of time to trudge back from the desert. So there was neither energy or time for that to be possible. But then I remembered the shepherd and how he was the one who journeyed to the lost lamb. And there dawned the fantastic relief that swift and real repentance could get me right with him instantly. And so he wonderfully revived my flagging spirit. I don't make any apology for reading that long thing because I think she just so picks it up. And we've all been there. Um, And prayer is hard work. Most of the time, a lot of it is drill. A lot of it is, right, I'm going to do this because I've made that commitment and I didn't do it yesterday because life overtook me, but I'm going to try and do it tomorrow. And now and again, we get those wonderful times when we do get a wonderful sense of God's presence with us. But it doesn't happen every time. Well, maybe it does with you, but... So prayer is hard work, but it is such a wonderful, wonderful gift that God has given to us. The Good Shepherd. And really, it's the outworking of a relationship with God as our Father, with Jesus as the one who's rescued us and has saved us, and with the Holy Spirit. And we maybe understand something of God the Father as our creator and the one who has um, gone before us in so many ways and has his plans and his purposes for our world are so amazing. Maybe we understand Jesus, we know the story of how he came down to earth as a, per- as a man and he lived and died on the cross that we might be forgiven and be reunited to God where sin and failure had separated us from him. Maybe we understand Jesus especially because he was a human being just like we were and he, we know that he, he feels for us, he feels with us, he knows what it's like to be human. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit He is perhaps the part of the Trinity who we find it maybe not so easy to understand. He's not someone we can catch in a box. He's not someone we can um, describe. The Bible says he's like a flame of fire. He's like a wind. He's like olive oil. He's like a still small voice. He's like so many amazing things. He's, He's so wonderful that words couldn't possibly describe him. But that's what prayer is. It's knowing the Holy Spirit who is living inside us, working with our spirit and helping us to pray according to his will. It's very difficult to understand, but now and again we get glimpses, don't we, of how wonderful that Holy Spirit is. The Bible is filled with encouragements to pray. We're asked in the Bible, or commanded in the Bible sometimes, to pray at all times. Well, that doesn't mean to say that we don't do anything else, because I certainly, I mean, we're women, so we can multitask. Um, But, you know, sometimes we need to be concentrating on other things. That's not meaning we're praying constantly. But in another way, our attitude can be turned towards God. To pray without ceasing, again, 
that's not sort of never stopping, but never giving up. Never ever give up on praying about something that you that God has given you to pray about. There will be discouragement. There will be discouragements. There will be times when it feels as if you are just banging your head against a brick wall. Maybe there is somebody who you love dearly and you've been praying for them for decades and they still have those same problems. They still are so far away from where they should be. And sometimes you think, do you know what? I don't think prayer makes any difference. Don't ever give up because the Bible says pray without ceasing. Don't ever give up. Pray in the spirit and pray with the understanding. Pray for people. Pray about situations. Pray for yourself. Pray singing, dancing, worshipping, praising, shouting, weeping. Prayer can be anything almost when we are taking who we are and expressing how we feel and bringing it to God. That's really what prayer is. Pray in a huge congregation pray just a few of you pray on your own 2 chronicles 7:14 says if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray then i will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land there is a place for prayer for the a whole nation there's a time for prayer in Matthew 18:19 it says if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask it will be done for them by my father in heaven these are jesus's words if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask it will be done for them by my father in heaven now there there are um, it's a caveat to that and we need to be praying according to God's will we need to be praying believing that he hears us we need to be praying with our motives completely um, turned towards God's kingdom and for his will to be done so it's not praying for um, a new handbag well you never know but my daughter has just started um, She's, she started doing eBay. So our house is filled with bubble wrap, um, second used um, jiffy bags, um, and items for sale. And the, the weeks now, she, she's 27, but she's come back to live with us. I, in my youth, I was thought that children grew to about 18 and then left home. <laughs> if you are not aware, this is not true. This doesn't... <laughs> doesn't happen um anyway so so you know she she is a little bit obsessed with with this and um our life is being a little bit overwhelmed by um you know well what's it oh i've got 10 watches on that clock and i've got um somebody somebody's bid four pound 99 for that bag but i did pay six pound 50 for it so i'm a bit kind of disappointed oh it's crazy anyway i digress but um why on earth am I telling you that? Um, to, and to pray alone, to, to, to pray on our own. And uh, again, in that, those verses in Matthew, 
um, he, he was, Jesus was walking along, and obviously there was somebody who was, they would do this, some of the religious leaders. They would say, oh, God, I am such a holy person. Oh, I thank you that you've made me so good and wonderful. And they really used to be like that. And although that doesn't often happen on the streets um, of our towns now, we all know people who are a bit like that, who are sort of, well, actually, I am a very spiritual person, and, um, you know... Uh, I've got a special relationship with God and I said to God and God said to me and and you know I'm sure they're sincere but Jesus said please don't do that when you pray go into your closet now that always conjures up a funny picture to me I don't know (laughs) is it a loo or is it a cupboard (laughs) either way it's a bit strange but what it means is find out what your closet is for me, it's a particular chair in my kitchen, just in the right place, first thing in the morning, most mornings, when I can get myself together. And that's my place. For you, it might be your car. It might be a particular walk. It might be, I don't know, but find out where that little trysting place is for you. Because that just makes such a difference. And, and that's what Jesus said. Go into your closet, whatever that looks like, and just speak normally and, and um, simply to your father. So, back to Lydia. It's all about some amazing answers to prayer. So you have Paul and Silas, who are motoring around, around the, the Asia, the sort of Middle East, um, preaching the gospel and people are coming to know Jesus and getting baptized, they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit and there's going to be healing and all sorts of things happening and they're going from place to place and planting churches and it's just amazing and God is with them and so the obvious thing to do is to go to those places with funny names um, but that uh, they just get sense uh, uh, not to do that and instead they go in response to a a vision that uh, is quite a well-known story that isn't it and don't let's discount the fact that God can speak to us with dreams and visions never done I've never experienced it but I know people who who have and if though I though what I do do is if I wake up in the middle of the night and somebody is on my mind I always pray for them because just in case God has woken me up because they are actually in need of prayer and um, that happens quite often with one's children on gap years and things but we won't go there (laughs) but today there are many many Muslims who are having visions and dreams about Jesus which is resulting in them becoming Christians. It's quite extraordinary. It's happening all over the place. And there is a real silent revival in Muslim countries. And so don't let's let's get carried away because the authenticity of a dream revision will be be proved by the result and and what it leads to and whether it comes true. And Jesus... 
God stirs us up in various ways. Maybe for, for you it's a dream or a vision. Maybe it's a, a word, whatever it is. But expect to hear from God. Expect him to stir you up to pray for certain things. And if you, as I say, you, you suddenly have a real kind of interest in something or, or a real something catches you on the news. Maybe you're hearing about something. And don't, don't, don't dismiss it. Say, no, the Lord is actually asking me to pray about this. We desperately need God's leading as we pray. So there's um, Paul and Silas praying in one direction. Lord, where should we go? Who are you sending us to? How can we extend our ministry? And meanwhile, and now we come back to the story of Lydia. And I'm thinking, how many years has she been going down to that riverside? What was it that first made her seek after God? What kind of things has she been praying about? They've been doing this prayer meeting at the riverside for ages and ages with these other women. We don't know who they are, but later on um, in the church, there are obviously quite a lot of women in the leadership and, and in the congregation of the church at Philippi. What was it about, about Lydia? Because I believe... I'm no proof for it, that she was the one. It was her prayers that perhaps were the, um, the catalyst. The catalyst. And they were probably very ordinary prayers, the kind of prayers you and I pray. I don't know whether um, you ever pray about um, political things or stuff like that. I work... Um, in that whole kind of area, that care, the organisation with which I work, we, we're working in Parliament. And uh, when things are coming before Parliament and, and we're getting Christians to write to their MPs and to and doing research and networking people, not me, that, that I'm not clever enough. My job is to get people praying about it. And um, I love that. And if any of you would like to come on what I call my rapid response um, list, which is an email list, when there are things happening, we sometimes get quite short notice. There's going to be a certain debate tomorrow, and we need to pray this, that, and the other, or in, in the EU Parliament or whatever. Um, I send it all out and get lots of people praying, and we've seen remarkable answers to prayer where a vote was, with, humanly speaking, there's no way that vote is going to go through. Mysteriously, it has. So, uh, in areas of euthanasia a few years ago, it was just quite extraordinary. Uh, we thought we were, going to, it, it, the, we were going to lose a particular amendment, and at the last minute, it was turned around in the uh, area of um, human trafficking and prostitution. Uh, we there was no way that this particular clause was going to go through, but in the end, it was won by 53 votes and various other things. So I am a great believer in praying about things like that. But I wonder if you have ever, slightly idly maybe, listening to Prime Minister's Question Times, and they all holler at each other and think, oh, for goodness sake, um, have you ever prayed, Lord, what, will you please send more Christians into Parliament? Please, will you raise up more Christian MPs? Would you put your hand up if you've ever prayed? Lord, could we have some more Christian MPs? Lots of you. Right. I want to tell you some good news. There have been some fantastic MPs in Parliament over many years who've done wonderful things. But at the last election, out of the 223 
I think, new MPs, brand new MPs who were elected in out of 220-something, 40 of them are committed Christians. And we know that because they have joined straight away the Conservative Christian Fellowship, the Socialist Christian Fellowship, or the Liberal Democratic Christian Forum. And we have met them at care. We've gone around and we've spoken to them. And and God is raising them up because these new eager Christians are saying, we need to be a voice in this place. We need to to meet together across the parties. And and we really need to hear what God is. It's just wonderful. It hasn't happened for decades and decades and decades. And uh, so your prayers were answered. So your little prayer... So in desperation, listening to the Prime Minister's question time, was a catalyst. It ignited something. And so that's just an encouragement. So please don't give up. So here was um, Lydia praying and asking for um, help to understand what God wanted of her. And... um, that, she, that God would send somebody to explain. She'd probably heard the stories about Jesus. Thought, well, I can't, I can't get my head around this. Lord, can you send somebody to explain to me? Probably quite a sort of ordinary prayer. And along came Paul. And she became the first person to give her life to Jesus Christ in the whole continent of Europe. That's amazing. And from that spark, look what happened in the centuries since. And I want to say that it all began with her sitting with a few mates with a thermos of tea by the side of the river in between her selling her purple and just saying, oh, come on, let's pray. It wasn't deeply theological. It wasn't loud and dramatic it was a bunch of girls having a little chat to God and from that uh, look what came Augustine who was one of the early church fathers said work as if everything depended on God you know we all know that praying is wonderful but we do actually need to get up and do the washing yes exactly um He said, work as if everything depended on God. Uh, Man, humans, sorry. Work as if everything depended on you as a human being. But pray as if everything depended on God. And I love that. It's not an either or, it's a both and. And um, I just want to encourage us all to take this idea of prayer seriously. Let me read you something else which will make you laugh. Have you, anybody recently called up a call centre? Yeah. What if heaven was a call centre? I got this off the internet. It would be a bit like this. Thank you for calling heaven. Please select one of the following options. They probably say, we do record our calls for training. (laughs) For requests, press 1. For thanksgiving, press 2. For complaints, press 3. For angels and other emergencies, press 4. And then you get, sorry, all our angels are busy helping other sinners right now. However, 
because your prayer is important to us, please stay on the line. You are 10,364th in the queue. And then you get a click. And there's a meanwhile, um, you get amazing grace in the background as well. Here's a menu of other options. If you want to find out if a loved one has been assigned to heaven, press 5, enter their um, national insurance number, and press the pound key. For future reservations to my father's house, press J O. H N followed by three sixteen. Yes. Did you get that? Good. <laughs> uh, for answers to questions about dinosaurs, where Noah's Ark is today, and who were Cain and Abel's wives, please be patient and just wait until you get here when everything will be revealed. <laughs> And then you get, oh, sorry, our computers show that you have already prayed once today, so please hang up again and try again tomorrow. Thank you for calling heaven. Have a nice day. Can you imagine how frustrating it would be? Um, But instead of that, um, not only do we not get a machine, we get a a person. We get a human being. I mean, that's, that's always a bonus. And he speaks the same language as we do with a reasonably similar accent. You know, I mean, I love those people in Delhi, but uh, it's so encouraging <laughs> when uh, we, we speak to a human being. And that's what prayer is like. It's not like some automated thing, some sort of stupid thing like, like a call center. It's about talking to God. And that was what Lydia did. But the thing about it is it didn't stop at prayer. It went on. She, um, she then marched home and sort of got everybody in line and made sure they believed in Jesus as well and got them baptized. I wish I could do that. Um, most of mine are there. Just one who's um, still on a journey, as they say. Um, but then after that, she actually, the, the church actually um, meets in her home. And Paul, while he is there, she shows him hospitality. So she's not just a prayer. She's not just a sort of kind of non-active person. And um, that's the same with all of us. That it is so important that we begin with prayer. But God doesn't leave us at that. He always find some, what it is that is, has, has gripped our hearts, something that really we feel passionate about. And he wants us to get involved in, in that as well. I just want to tell you about two people, very ordinary people, who they were a bit like Lydia. They were catalysts for something much bigger. There was a man called Michael Phillip, who was a peripatetic music teacher, very ordinary sort of job, working in Glasgow, and one of the schools he worked for, the children in the Christian Union, came to him. They were very stressed because there was a lot of graffiti around the school. And they said, sir, will you pray with us about it? And they did, and the graffiti disappeared. That was wonderful. So he then thought, oh, maybe we should try. And, and various schools he went to in Glasgow, the children came together and prayed. And they just saw amazing answer to prayer. And this idea just kind of went out, went viral, as they say these days. And today, it's become something called Pray for Schools, and uh, there are cards about it, 
there. And the vision of this thing now is for every school in the United Kingdom to be a prayed-for school. And it's happening slowly. It's lots of organisations together with care. Um, and do pick one up, and maybe that's something God might be saying to you. Why don't you start a prayer group for your local school? And now, I mean, there's a lot of schools in the UK, so I've got quite a long way to go. But we've got hundreds and thousands of schools now being prayed for, and all sorts, and, and that means hundreds of thousands of youngsters coming under the cover of prayer. And it was a, a violin teacher who just met a bunch of kids. Then let me tell you about a lady called Dorothea. Dorothea Clapp lived in um, New Jersey. And uh, as she looked outside of her window, I don't know much about it, but she was a very sort of ordinary lady. She, uh, she, there was a high school, and she started praying for a particularly troublesome group of boys who were always up to mischief. And she prayed and prayed for them, and she prayed that... God would save them and send some of them out to be missionaries. And then she got to know one of them called George, and she gave him a Gospel of John, and she kept on praying for him for quite a long time. And finally, he went to hear Billy Graham speak, gave himself, committed his life to Christ, and um, his name is George Verwer, who then became the founder of something called Operation Mobilization, which has ships that has short-term missionaries, Thousands, tens of thousands of young people have gone out under his inspiration to every country on the earth. Good old Dorothea. Good old Dorothea. And so there are Lydias all over the place. I believe there are Lydias in this room. I think we all are Lydias in one shape or another. So I I would love it if we got hold of this idea of being a catalyst, just like Lydia was. She was a a really ordinary, down-to-earth woman, living in quite a hostile place. Philippi was, uh, it wasn't a very um, big city, but but it was a Roman um, garrison, some lots of Roman soldiers. That probably wasn't very nice. There was a lot of paganism, a lot of uh, suspect things going on up at the temple, um, a lot of uh, fortune-telling. In fact, in fact, the story after this is tells about how a girl who was um, um, possessed by, by the devil and, and was sort of telling fortunes and this, that, and the other, and uh, she got wonderfully converted, and she joined the church, and the people who had her, were making money out of her, were very angry, and that led to Paul and Silas getting thrown into prison, and then there was an earthquake, and I bet they were praying again. They probably weren't saying, Lord, send an earthquake, but they were probably saying, Lord, will you, let, will you set these, these men free? And uh, it was just one thing after another. You know, you know it wasn't a, a quiet fortnight in the Mediterranean for them. Um, but uh, these things were happening um, as a result of prayer. So what about you and me? How can we be inspired to be like Lydia today. In the book of Ephesians, there are some wonderful verses which I would love to read to you. 
I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I just want you to think, if there is something that you would actually love to do, really, if there's a little seed in your heart and in your mind, an ambition that you have, if there's a group of people that you feel your heart goes out to you and you would love to, to get them help, whatever it is, some of you, your minds might go blank, that's fine. But uh, it's something, just put that in your mind. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For he is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to his power at work within us. Power, immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe the same power that was worked in Christ to raise him from the dead. And then a little way on it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we may walk in them. God is the God of our yesterdays, of today, and of our future. He knows all things. And we all have a destiny upon us. Some of us might spend many, many years trying to discover what that is. But I believe that God wants to reveal to us what it was. What are those works that he prepared for us to do before the foundation of the world? In what way does he want to send that power of the Holy Spirit to ignite you to do whatever it is? It might be something quite small. It doesn't have to be saving the world. But you never know. Lydia was praying for something quite small. Please, Lord, will you send somebody to come and explain to me? That's probably what she was praying, among other things. So in a, little, in a minute, we're, we're going to um, have an opportunity to pray. Um, and before that, um, we're going to have a, a lovely song, just to give us a chance to collect our thoughts. But I want to encourage each one of us to say to God, I want to be a catalyst for you. I want to find out what it is, what, what it is that you want to ignite within me. Just a tiny little spark can end up lighting a whole forest fire for ill or for good. So let's remind ourselves that, that he is waiting for us to respond to him. He loves it when we pray. He's not this God who is disapproving or too busy or cross. He is our heavenly father who longs for us to come. He is the one who has promised, if, if two of you agree on any one thing, I will do it. And he's the one that says, come, come away. Get into that closet. Just let's be you and me together. That's the kind of God. And we must expect him to speak to us.
and expect him to intervene in our lives and ignite us by his Holy Spirit.